Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness, help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is all things nervous system, how you can eat and live to stimulate, repair, and restore the function of your nervous system. Uh, the guest is the beautiful, the sweet, the kind, the loving, uh, the brilliant, Dr. Terry Walls. She's the author of The Walls Protocol. She is a good friend. We've known each other for, I don't know, several years now at this point, um, just through both speaking to different conferences and things of the sort. And we've taken a liking to each other. I think she's lovely. Um, she's a big deal in the world of neurology, in the world of multiple sclerosis, particularly. She has recovered from MS herself. She has a really amazing story. Uh, she is a professor of medicine at the University of Iowa. Uh, she is an autoimmune expert and, and an MS researcher. Uh, she's rad. I really appreciate her perspectives. I think you guys are gonna really enjoy this conversation. I wanna thank you for leaving reviews wherever you listen to this and also for subscribing so you get each week's episodes. I'm going to really read a review from, let's just find one here. Uh, this comes from Keegan Andrew. Uh, Keegan Andrew says, valuable. I just got done listening to the episode with Kyle Kingsbury. That was a while ago. And it's very evident to me how valuable this information is. One of the new shows to add to my rotation. Thank you, Keegan Andrew. Thank you all so much for sharing this podcast. Thank you for the kind words and the reviews. And uh, thank you for implementing the information. Uh, let's get to it with my gal, Dr. Terry Walls. Dr. Terry Walls. Hey. Thank you so much for making time to do this. I appreciate you. Thank you. I, I always love chatting with you. It's lots of fun. I wanted to start off with a very simple, uncomplex, basic elementary question. What the heck is a mitochondria? Ah, so mitochondria are uh, really ancient bacteria that were engulfed by larger bacteria about 3 billion years ago. And because those ancient bacteria could generate, ox um, generate adenosine triphosphate or ATP more efficiently with the oxygen, uh, that ancient organism really thrived and did very, very well. And it would eventually evolved through random mutations over uh, billions of years into multicellular organisms. Over all of that time, uh, because we had these mitochondria that let us generate energy more efficiently, we could tolerate that poison uh, oxygen that was growing in the air. And we could evolve into multicellular organisms, which allowed us to develop into fish and then reptiles and amphibians and, of, uh, of course, mammals, which eventually evolve into humans. And how does that relate to a layman, simple-minded person like myself? How do I leverage the power of healthy mitochondria well, in my daily life? So you want to have really great mitochondria because we need them to do everything. Uh, and to do that... Um, First thing, you need a lot of fat. Um, if you remember from uh, biology that you took uh, during high school, uh, these mitochondria are little ovals with a lot of squiggles in the middle. All those squiggles are cell membranes, and the cell membranes require fat. So now we need omega-3 fat because we can't make that. So uh, that's in wild fish, uh, grass-fed meats. Uh, we need omega-6 fats, and those are in nuts and seeds. And we need cholesterol. 
that's a, a big part of membranes as well. So um, we need some cholesterol. If you if you take cholesterol completely out of your diet, you drive your cholesterol down uh, too low, you can't make those membranes. Without healthy membranes, you can't have healthy mitochondria. You, you also need B vitamins. And uh, depending on your genetics, you might need activated B vitamins. Uh, and uh, we need minerals, things like zinc uh, and magnesium. Uh, and so this is uh, one of the reasons I'm so uh, bullish on um, oysters, on muscles, on liver, uh, on heart. Uh, that's really a great supply uh, for all of those things, uh, um, uh, B vitamins, uh, zinc, um, uh, magnesium. Uh, they'll have uh, some of the uh, omega-6 fats. They'll have more omega-3 fats. You'll probably still need to have some nuts and seeds to get those omega-6 fats. So I would love uh, part of an intention of this conversation for the sake of the podcast. I, I think it'd be interesting for it to be like a masterclass of sorts on strengthening and developing our our nervous system yeah. and specifically in relation to your history with multiple multiple sclerosis uh, which is from my understanding it's like an autoimmune disease that breaks down the connective tissue around uh, nerves the myelin sheath yeah. and then that creates like a disruption of the mind body connection and everything goes haywire if those if you don't have that conductivity within those nerve cells problems start yeah start popping off and, and and so so with with you and I probably misspoke so please clear up what the heck yeah um, that is I'll I'll fix the booze but, but but there's there's two things that I, I'm curious about one anytime I hear the term autoimmune disease I, I have all these random question marks of like what does that mean like why would the body attack itself yeah yeah and so that's that's one lane that i find endlessly interesting that i'd love to to discuss yeah uh, so maybe we can let's, just let's, start with that like what is an autoimmune disease so an autoimmune disease is when we think the uh, immune system has begun attacking uh the self uh and so this happens uh in the sequences are you, first you have the genetics that make you vulnerable are there about 200 to 300 different genes that increase the risk of getting an autoimmune problem? Each individual gene probably increases your risk by about 1%, so not very much. Uh, the, next, the next thing that happens is that you had an infection, and we know that there are 16 different viruses and bacteria that increase the risk of infection. And we're talking about things like Epstein-Barr virus. 95% of us have had the Epstein-Barr virus. Uh, and things like uh, Lyme disease, chlamydia, and the coronavirus. And now I want everyone to think about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that's, you know, uh, have we've all been dealing with for the last two years. And many of us, if not most of us, have had the, the coronavirus, the COVID infection. Uh, and so that increases the risk for developing an autoimmunity. But it, it won't necessarily make you have an autoimmune problem. So there's what are the other environmental factors? And those are things uh, like uh, the foods you eat, uh, toxins you've been exposed to, early life stress, ongoing psychological stress, inactivity, vitamin D, and the more uh, environmental factors that are haywire, uh, that they are really the accelerants that will make it more likely that 
your autoimmune processes will flare into an overt autoimmune disease. The immune system, uh, Aaron, is so important for repairing the wear and tear. Um, uh, I know you're uh, very keen on strength training, uh, and so am I. I think that's vital. Um, and as we're strengthening ourselves, the we have a little damage to our muscle cells, our bones, and our ligaments that our immune cells come in, clean up the damage, and rebuild a stronger muscle cell uh, tendon, uh, uh, ligament, uh, and uh, bone. That's how we get stronger. That's how we have nice, uh, strong, uh, dense bones. But if we have an infection that we didn't completely clear, and we have all these other uh, environmental factors that are keeping the immune system overly active, then I can begin um, through a process called molecular mimicry, uh, attacking some of my cellular structures, my uh, tissues. And, and in my case, you know, I was attacking my brain and my myelin. Uh, and we also know I had some uh, autoantibodies, uh, a low-level positive ANA, about uh, five years uh, before the uh, MS was diagnosed. Is there any, I believe we may have spoken about this before, but is there any reasonable research or suggestions around any type of psychosomatic component to autoimmune disease? And uh, Well, just, that, just that's that. a really great question uh, because, you know, people uh, will know that they're not feeling quite right. They may have a little more anxiety, uh, a little more um, uh, uh, low mood, uh, depression. Uh, maybe a little bit more fatigue. They go see their physician. Physician does an exam, can't find anything. Uh, checks some screening labs, can't find anything. Says, you know, you're just stressed, uh, or you're too busy. Uh, you've got kids now. You're trying to juggle uh, your kids, your family life, work life. I uh, and you begin to think like, is this all in my head? Do I am I being sort of, sort of psychosomatic? And that goes on for several years. Uh, and uh, people will have these subtle, progressively more troublesome uh, symptoms uh, five to 10 years before their systemic autoimmune disease is diagnosed. And having anxiety or depression uh, um, is one of those prodrome conditions that if you have that, you are more likely to have trouble. So uh, did I answer your question, Aaron, about how, um, why the autoimmune process begins? Yeah, for sure. And I, my, I just am, am so curious of, of like, you know, the, the suicide and self harm and people having yeah. you know, physical manifestations of injuring themselves, taking a, a knife, know, cutting themselves, like these different things. It's like I would. It seems almost like at a, a broader, grosser level that could be placed into some bucket of autoimmune. In, in a way, which I'm yeah. probably misspeaking and but, probably you know, offending someone. So I, I, I've been uh, working on, a, on developing another autoimmune course, and so that got me into reading more literature. And we know that anxiety, uh, suicide, uh, um, uh, uh, depression, they have uh, some very interesting um, uh, uh, biochemical issues. Uh, uh, they have excess inflammation in the brain. Uh, they have excess oxidative stress. Their mitochondria are strained. Uh, and 
you know, when the mitochondria get strained, you can end up with the mitochondria um, basically committing suicide. Uh, and I've often wondered uh, if that's beginning to happen, does that release some signals that drive the organism uh, to kill itself? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's also interesting um, what I, I did uh, grand rounds with one of my colleagues uh, in, in uh, psychiatry uh, many, many years ago. And I was quite impressed during that grand rounds with the parallels between schizophrenia and multiple sclerosis. Higher incidence of gluten sensitivity, excess uh, inflammation. There are enhancing lesions on the MRI in schizophrenia. Wow. I have my, my father's sister had schizophrenia. I, and so I, I realized that, you know, did she have gluten sensitivity? Uh, she had uh, seizures uh, as well, uh, which can sometimes uh, be exacerbated by gluten sensitivity. Uh, was the schizophrenia related to the uh, uh, schizophrenia? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think I, I certainly could have had schizophrenia instead of MS. And so I, I'm like, wow. And, you know, MS hasn't been easy, but... It's way better than schizophrenia. Yeah. And then getting into things like regional pain syndrome or fibromyalgia or, you know, um, anhedonia or there's different, like, like the way that we regulate pain in the body is very mysterious. And so I've had, I've had at this point, most of like the world's leading experts around pain and most everyone kind of comes up to eventually comes up to a summation where it's like it's subjective we see a lot of trends and consistencies and uh but as far as like what is pain so, oh so i don't, I don't think we really know what pain that is, is a big, big conversation in ms <laughs> because pain is um a big part of uh the ms experience uh, and the uh, definition that the MS experts use is pain is a noxious perception as experienced and described by the person experiencing it. Uh, and so, you know, my, my response there is whatever sensory disturbance that you have, um, we have a range where that sensory uh, dis uh, information is useful to us. Uh, whether it's you know light, sound, pressure, temperature, awareness. Uh, but if you dial up the amplitude of that information coming to my brain, uh, it becomes intolerably painful, whether it is light or sound or temperature uh, or uh, 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 pressure. Our um, brain can amplify, the spinal cord can amplify those signals to make them un intolerable. With uh, MS, uh, when I uh, try to explain trigeminal neuralgia, it's sort of like uh, the the um, information on my uh, trigeminal nerve has been amplified. It's sort of like having a seizure of information. Uh, so I get this very intense um, jolt of information up to my brain that I perceive uh, just as this intolerable pain but when it's really ramped up uh what is wild aaron is the world becomes white i can't see anything i am blinded by pain I, and so I, I completely understand that 
Uh, and if I'm standing, uh, my knees will, will uh, weaken and I've collapsed to the ground uh, because of the intensity uh, of the pain. Wow. And so within that, so the trigeminal nerve, also known as the fifth cranial nerve, it innervates uh, quite a bit of the face, right? Yeah, a lot the of masseter, the face. The so it starts here at my temporal region. Uh, it goes uh, across my cheeks down to my jaw. Uh, so I'll yeah. feel the pain uh, behind the eye, uh, across my face, around the jaw. Um, mm. A breeze will trigger, you know, when it's turned on, uh, a breeze triggers it, light triggers it, sound triggers it, swallowing triggers it, talking triggers it. Uh, and so yeah. I had 27 years uh, of relentless, relentlessly worsening episodes, relentlessly uh, worsening levels of pain. Hmm. Um, but, you know, what's, what's interesting, Aaron, now, actually, I, I, I view my trigeminal neuralgia as a, a very useful bit of information. Uh, because now I feel like I have this very, very sensitive look at how my brain is functioning uh, and is my brain inflamed or not? Because if my sensory uh, sensation on my face is a little off, I'm like, okay, this is not good. Uh, uh, and I, I know that the inflammation in my brain is turning back up and I have to do something about it. Um, if I've, don't have any pain uh, in my face, uh, uh, no abnormal sensation. I know that there'll, there'll be no enhancing lesions on my MRI. I'll, I'll know, I know that everything is very quiet for my MS. And actually, I've taught my neurologist that now too. Yeah, and so and so why I think it's it's such a, a relevant conversation for any person, not a person that's dealing with any particular autoimmune disease or anything of the sort is someone in your position kind of acts as like a canary in the coal mine, I, I think for people that may have minor versions of inflammation around their fill in the blank thing, nerves or some type, yeah. some type of manifestation of, of, of maybe idiopathic pain. There was like, we just don't know why you hurt. I've heard of the suggestion of pain being like a uh, request for change. It's like your body's mm -hmm way of requesting change yeah you know and then from there you unpack the mystery of like oh interesting is it environmental conditions is it some type of psychosomatic you know relational perceptive perception of the world relationships with my, my parents you know relationship with myself is it some type of uh, intoxicants or you know endocrine disrupting chemicals that i'm bathing in with my you know fill in the blank the various different household products that i'm using is it a lack of connection to the ground of some bioelectric conversation is it a lack of movement the right type of movement is more of a mechanical conversation but in particular in relation to this i think coming back into like how do we care for our nervous system you know what's 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 the the yeah. nervous system 101 like how do we come back and say like maybe there's some i mean ultimately everything is Nervous system. It, it all comes back. But how do we come back and start start to support our nervous system from whichever realms you think are most valuable? Nutrition, obviously, a big yeah. one. I'm sure there's yeah. many prongs to that conversation. So um, we think of it in two big buckets. What do I want to add uh, to the environment uh, that that I'm lacking, and what do I need to remove uh, that is harmful? And it's easier to start adding than it is to start removing. So in, in terms of diet. 
Um, I, I sort out, is the person a meat eater or not a meat eater? Yeah, and if they're not a meat eater, then I sort out, is that uh, for spiritual reasons? And, you know, that's fine. I'll honor that. Uh, if it's not for spiritual reasons, then we'll talk about uh, why meat uh, may be very helpful. So I want to be sure they have enough protein. Uh, I have to be sure they have enough fat, because I already mentioned that we need the omega-3, omega-6 uh, cholesterol. Uh, I want to be sure that they have uh, plenty of uh, B vitamins, uh, coenzyme Q, creatine, carnitine. Uh, yeah, and so we talk about uh, the key nutrients. Most Americans, Aaron, um, uh, have a, a whole lot of added sugar, a whole lot of processed foods, uh, very few vegetables. Uh, most will have uh, sufficient protein. If they're vegetarian, they may not be having sufficient protein. Uh, uh, and so I, we work to get them to ramp up uh, their non-starchy vegetables. Then we talk about taking out the sugar, the processed added foods. And I encourage a trial of a gluten-free, dairy-free uh, uh, diet because uh, for those who have a psychological or neurological problem, I, I want to be sure that unrecognized gluten sensitivity is not part of their problem. Uh, and so uh, we, uh, I encourage them to go gluten-free, dairy-free. And if we do that, I help. I try to have them understand that if you, if you're going to do this, decide when you're going to when you're going to do it. Um, but, you know, pick a start date, but actually go gluten free. Uh, being 50% gluten free or 90% gluten free and still having occasional gluten, if you're gluten sensitive, will keep that inflammation up, uh, and you won't be able to see. Okay, did going gluten free make a big difference? Uh, so th that's that's the first thing uh, that we work on. Uh, now, I have some folks who will say, you know, Doc, that's too hard. I, I can't do that. Uh, but they're ready to uh, add stress reduction. So then we negotiate a stress-reducing practice. Or they may be uh, ready to add a movement practice. And we talk about uh, what's possible given uh, their physical conditions uh, and uh, their uh, reality. I want to take a moment and share about something that has truly made a massive difference in my life as of recent. That is going through the diagnostic process with LifeForce. LifeForce is a health optimization company that is bringing a personalized approach to help you take control of your health. It all starts with the LifeForce Diagnostic, a comprehensive blood test that measures over 40 biomarkers that impact your mental and physical health, from your nutrient levels to hormone balance to key risk factors for disease and much more. The LifeForce Diagnostic gave me a snapshot of precisely what the heck is happening inside of my body. Then the next step, I jumped on a call with a LifeForce functional medicine doctor, and she was absolutely amazing. I asked her a whole gamut of questions, and uh, I was probably a pretty annoying patient, I would say, because I just kept asking questions and she kept having answers. She was incredibly welcoming, incredibly sweet, and just really brilliant with the information. Um, so she mapped out a very clear, concise plan uh, for me. Uh, she was working with me. I think it, I just felt very supported the whole time. Uh, some of the things that we saw there was a deficit with me was particularly DHEA uh, and then also omegas. So they got me on a couple nutraceuticals and I swear to God, um, I since starting these guys, I feel 
um, almost uncomfortable saying it like this because it's an ad, but it truly made a massive difference. My word recall, my energy levels, my libido um, has has significantly shifted since starting. So I'm freaking excited and I would absolutely implore any of y'all to at least get the diagnostic done so you can get that snapshot of what's going on inside of your blood, what is going on inside of your biology so you're not guessing. You know exactly what's happening and then you can start making decisions from there. If you'd like to get 15% off, uh, you can go to mylifeforce.com. That's M-Y-L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E.com and then use a line code at checkout for 15% off. And that is a very meaningful 15% off as well. So I can't recommend it enough. I think you guys are going to really dig it. I think it's going to be really amazing for your own health journey. Jump over to mylifeforce.com and use the align code for 15% off. I want to take a moment and share about something that has absolutely knocked my socks off and I was quite skeptical about in the beginning that is utilizing exogenous ketones as a fantastic source of fuel as mental clarity and it also reduces appetite which is kind of an interesting side effect as well um, i've done a whole podcast episode all about the benefits of it i really love using it for a podcast episode i just drank a bottle before reading this ad actually and it's it does an interesting thing it induces that similar sensation that you'd have after doing an extended fast and your body transitioning over into ketosis and uh, it's like a almost euphoric upbeat energetic cognitively clear sensation it's highly recommended i would i would just just give it a try uh if you don't absolutely love it no worries you can get your money back but i think it's one of those things just it's supportive to have in your toolkit uh so the company is called hvmn uh the drink is called ketone iq i recorded a whole podcast with the founder of the company and got into the deep details of what the heck is going on with this and i think you guys are going to dig it so go to hvmn.com and then check out type in the code align-20 and you will save 20 percent off on your purchase that's hvmn.com and then at checkout type in a-l-i-g-n-20 and you will receive 20 percent off your purchase something that i think is is interesting is all the all the different nutritional dogmas oh, i think you could say yeah yeah and 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 so within that it's it's i, I think you know do you get a a new book or you listen to a new podcast or yeah. you, know, you meet someone that you find inspiring and you find out that they're vegan or they're keto or they're carnivore or they're yeah. paleo or they're whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, this is the way. And I think it's interesting with you. One of the things that you suggest upon reverse engineering, how to build back yeah. your nervous system and the myelin, you went in, instead of using the medications that you were getting, which I don't know, you know, to what degree you continued or, or stopped using yeah. medications, but you, you extracted out, you reduced back and, and said like, well, okay, what is actually are the building blocks of these medications and how can I find yeah. what's, what's, what, what's in here through my, yeah. my food. And a part of the, a part of that goes against many other dietary dogmas, which is very confusing. It's a very confusing world for a modern person that's trying to, you know, just eat a reasonable diet. You know, so in my journey, I did a very low-fat um, vegetarian diet. Uh, it looks like uh, the McDougal diet uh, uh, or a uh, Swank diet, uh, and uh, continued to get relentlessly downhill. I adapted the Paleo diet uh, and formed the AIP diet, 
and went relentlessly downhill. Um, uh, I added supplements based on what I was reading the basic science, and I slowed my decline. And of course, I was very, very grateful. You know, at that point in my life, um, what I had learned was when you got into the progressive phase of the um, illness, that you were just going to go downhill. You you were not going to get function back. So I was thrilled uh, to be slowing things down. I and over time, you know, I'd get a longer list of supplements. I took the uh, functional medicine course on neuroprotection. I had a longer list of supplements. I had 17 uh, that I was taking. Uh, and you know, I'm slowing my decline. Uh, and I, I totally accept that I, I'm not going to get better. But you know, slowing my decline, uh, that was worth a lot to me. And I, I could still take a few steps. Um, I could still use my hands. Uh, and, you know, I... I knew I was on track to become bedridden, demented, probably have trigeminal neuralgia term permanently on. And I was just trying to push that into the as far into the future as I could. And then when I had this aha, and you know, Aaron, it's really sort of embarrassing that it took me this long to have this aha. Um, it's like, you know, what if I redesigned my paleo diet? Because I, I, I thought the science behind the paleo diet made, made sense. But what if I redesigned that based on trying to maximize my intake of these 17 supplements I was taking in the food supply? Um, so that, that, and that took me a couple more months uh, of research to figure out uh, what, what I should be eating. Uh, and you know, I started that new way of eating on December 26, 2007. And when I did that, I could not sit up. I, I'm so weak, I can't sit in a regular chair. If I try sitting in a regular chair, I uh, if I go longer than 10 minutes, I'm so exhausted that I have to lay flat on my back uh, and I can't work the rest of the day. So, I mean, I, I'm you know seriously deconditioned and seriously weak. I, I can do a little tiny 10-minute mat exercise that I'm still doing every day because I knew I had to exercise. When I started this new way of eating, I had this long, the list of all these foods that I knew I should be eating. And by the way, liver and heart were in that list, and uh, oysters and mussels uh, were in that list. Uh, and a lot of greens and uh, cabbages uh, and uh, uh, colorful fruits and vegetables, beets, um, uh, and uh, mushrooms, a variety of mushrooms. You know, as everyone knows, like, it was, it was shocking. Uh, a month later, I'm like, you know, my energy's better, my mental clarity's improving, uh, and my physical therapist says, you know, Terry, I think you're getting stronger, and he's advancing my exercises. I and then I realize, you know, it's been a while since my uh, my face has been zigging, so I'm having less pain. And then, of course, you know, six months later, uh, I get on my bike for the first time. And it's you know it's remarkable, um, uh, and it's at, at it's at that moment, you know that I I understand that the current you know when, when I bike around the block, you know and my my big sixteen year old boy who's 
uh, six foot five. He's crying. My my thirteen year old daughter. She's crying. Jackie, my wife. She's crying. I'm crying. And of course, I I cry uh, even now talking about that because you see, it was at that moment that I understood the current understanding of MS was was incomplete, and who knows how much recovery might be possible because. When you have a progressive neuroinflammation or neurodegeneration, part of accommodating the fact you have this terrible diagnosis is you let go of the future. And you just take each day as it unfolds. So even though I had been walking around, first with my walking sticks and then without my walking sticks in the neighborhood, I didn't know what that really meant. It, it wasn't until I rode my bike that I understood who knew how much recovery might be possible. And that, in fact, I might, you know, I'm, I might get close to normal. Well, you know, normal for me, whatever that, that might be. And, it, you know, it really changed how I started uh, thinking about disease and health. It would change the way I practice medicine. And I start wanting to talk to my patients about the, this, this radical um, insight that I had, that you know what they ate was really, really important and what they uh, did uh, every day for exercise was really, really important. But I couldn't give, just give them these long lists of all these foods I was eating. I had to create a, a, a digestible way to teach these concepts that they could remember and they could implement at home. And that's basically how the Walls Protocol was born. Like, okay, I gotta make this something that I can teach. Because when I'm staffing, you know, when I'm staffing residents with, uh, in, the, in their continuity of care clinics, as the faculty person, I get five minutes uh, with a patient. And so I gotta be able to teach, inspire them, and teach them uh, a lesson that they could remember when they get home in less than five minutes. So I got to digest this down to the most critical essence of how to get these nutrients that, that I identified as critically important. Uh, and so I focused it in my uh, VA clinics on the foods to add first. And so that was three cups of greens. So a plate full of greens, you can measure it raw and you could cook them. It's going to shrink down or you just have a, this really big, uh, salad that covers your whole plate. And then a plate full of um, cabbage, onion, mushroom family kind, kinds of vegetables. And a plate full of deeply colored kinds of vegetables uh, and berries. Uh, and, you know, it's very funny, Aaron. My vets would say, like, Doc, is that per month or per week? And we'd laugh. No, 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 that's per day. Uh, and uh, so then we'd have to have a, a little conversation about how to help them uh, uh, reimagine their diets. But, you know, I was actually, my, my residents were, were very impressed because uh, about half of the people that I saw radically changed their diets, began to eat these radical things known as vegetables. And they had their blood pressure improve, blood sugars improve, moods improve. And uh, when we saw them back, uh, we we're uh, cutting their medicines doses down. 
simplifying, uh, often uh, over time able to uh, eliminate uh, med medicine after medicine. So the, the key is you, you add the food first, then we talk about taking away. Uh, because I, I want to stress, this is not about being hungry. So you eat all the things that I want you to eat. So you get your nine cups in. Uh, and then we work on getting rid of the sugar, the processed foods. Uh, and then we have the conversation if they want to try uh, going gluten-free, dairy-free uh, for a couple weeks and see how that uh, impacts them. And most of the people who did that would come back and say, you know what, Doc, you're right. That gluten was a problem. It bit me in the ass. So I'm staying gluten-free. And so the, the, those foods particularly, if a person does want to bolster, support the healthy function of their nervous system, it's sulfurous foods is one of the one of the, the categories you'd say like what's like the for a person and you have you know your whole book yeah the, the yeah protocol and you have like all the information is on the internet but for people listening if they're at a grocery store and they're like yeah i want to i want to try this you know eating to to support my nervous system what's the yeah let, let's go for that so we're, we're gonna um have you go get a bunch of greens a wide variety of greens will be good so uh, kale, uh, spinach, uh, romaine, uh, lettuce, um, and then, you know, parsley uh, uh, would be uh, basil, so green leafy things. Then in terms of the cabbage family, uh, so again, a huge number of uh, vegetables fit in the cabbage family, but uh, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, radishes, turnips, rutabagas, uh, and, um, you know, uh, turnips, rutabagas, um, uh, radishes are, are, are very pleasant raw. So that, that's a great way uh, uh, to start. Cauliflower, uh, very pleasant raw. Uh, uh, broccoli, uh, 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 broccolini, um, uh, I think they're very pleasant raw. Great steamed. You could uh, pour a bunch of olive oil uh, over them. We have a little cooking class uh, in the Therapeutic Lifestyle Clinic. And... Uh, we would pass around kale uh, or um, uh, dandelion greens and have them eat a little bit. And they'd say like, oh my God, doc, that is so bitter. There's no way I could eat that. So, yep, we understand. Incredibly bitter. And then if we had people who were okay with eating bacon, we'd fry up bacon to the desired level of doneness, take the bacon out, chop it up, throw this in intolerably bitter green in the skillet, stir it up until it wilted. That's about a minute add the chopped bacon back, and then we serve that. And my vets would say like, oh my God, that's delicious. So it was a, a great way to show that you could take a very bitter vegetable. If we cook it in fat, uh, that calms the bitterness. But it still seemed a little bit bitter. You could add a little uh, vinegar or uh, lime juice, lemon juice, to bring the pH down a little bit, and that'll take care of the bitterness. And then it will be delicious. If they couldn't eat pork, uh, then we would use uh, ghee uh, instead. And, and and so within that, then it comes into the nutritional dogma battles. Oh of yeah. What about the what about the the lectins yeah. and the phytates and the defense chemicals that plants have because they don't want to be eaten and they they don't have legs they yeah. don't have yeah. guns so they defend themselves through noxious chemicals and then it comes into like well. Is there some food 
preparation, like a la Dr. Gundry stuff, yeah. where it's like maybe you ferment, maybe you pressure cook, maybe you is who's right, who's wrong. Like let's let's talk about uh, evolution uh, in our evolutionary history. So if we go back, um, hum- mammals have been around about two hundred million years. Primates have somewhat less. I'm not quite sure. Uh, when primates uh, showed up on the scene. We were deeply with all of our other primate friends and cousins until about 6 million years ago. Then we separate. 2 million years ago, we're, we're in our genus Homo. And 250,000 years ago, we are um, Homo sapiens. We figure out cooking 100,000 years ago. And we also f- figured out fermentation started having beer, by the way, about 100,000 years ago. Uh, And we domesticated plants about 10,000 years ago. We've been eating plants for a very long time, for millions of years as primates. We started eating uh, animals uh, maybe somewhere 2 million years ago, uh, and that let us grow our bigger brains. When we figured out fire and migrated up to Northern Europe in the Middle East, we ran into the Neanderthals, had a 100,000 year war uh, and assimilated them. And we all have some Neanderthal DNA, about two to 5%, by the way. Uh, And then we migrated throughout Europe, Asia, South Asia, Australia, the Pacific Islands, North America, South America. Humans thrived in diverse um, climates, diverse ecosystems, eating widely diverse foodstuffs. So anyone who says they have the only diet, the correct diet, is full of shit. Of course, we're all full of shit. But um, anyone who says that my plant is the only plant uh, is wrong. Uh, and if I've ever said that, uh, you know, people should correct me. Um, we can thrive in a wide variety of uh, foodstuffs. Now, for you and for me, we'll have slightly different foodstuffs that will be uh, better for us. And we can look at the research and say, okay, so what what kinds of things do we know? From, from our evolution, I will tell you that we, we know we have reproductive success eating a wide variety of things. We know from our evolutionary history that our health declines if we eat a lot of sugar, a lot of processed foods, a lot of fast food. So there's very consistent research. And our evolutionary history tells us you eat, you eat all that sugar, you eat all that processed food, your health will decline. Then we can have debates over, um, we do have some societies that are uh, predominantly carnivore uh, and have thrived and have done well. They, even those societies uh, still eat uh, a small amount of uh, plant material. I don't know of any society that is that we have a long evolutionary history of uh, being a vegan or a vegetarian with without supplementation, uh, that's gonna be difficult. We have um, a, a long, long evolutionary history, and I'll say 250,000 years of eating plants. 
And by eating plants that do make poisons, and I completely agree with everyone who says uh, they're electins, uh, they're, they're poisonous, they're noxious to us, but they're hormetic toxins. So by giving my um, system a little stress, I ramp up the efficiency of my liver, my kidneys, and my metabolic pathways, uh, and I modulate my inflammation. Uh, and that's, uh, you and I are, are big fans of hormetic stress. We do uh, ice baths, uh, we do saunas, we do strength training, uh, we do high intensity interval training. And so eating plants is your hormetic stress. Uh, and I think it's very helpful. And for my friends who say, but the plants are full of lectins, so I'm going to be eat just uh, carnivore animal products, what they are ignoring is that there are lectins in animal products. The only way to completely avoid lectins is to do a water fast, which you can do for a while, but you can't do indefinitely. Um, you'll die. What actually is a lectin? A lectin is a protein <laughs> with a sugar side chain. Uh, oh. And um, we we have them uh, in our cells. They're uh, also known as hemagglutinins. Um, uh, they are present, uh, you know, uh, they're present uh, in in meats, uh, in milk. Um, they are uh, uh, present uh, in plants. So it, you can eat a diet that has lower lectins. Uh, and that's why people suggest taking them out of uh, out uh, grain, uh, legumes, nightshades out, uh, dairy out. Um, but again, they are present in meat as well. It seems like, so if a person is already really stressed out and they're underslept and they're overwhelmed and they're all of the things, um, doing a, a large bout of exercise it maybe could kind of knock them back into order, but it also could be too much more just de-stressing, de yeah. you know, so as opposed to being in that, that, that bucket of you stress or hermetic stress and all the words, um, it's like, Oh, actually this person, you're so frazzled. You yeah. really need to, to, to rest. And I, I wonder if there's a, a crossover analogy with a person that perhaps really is only able to actually, um, be able to consume yes. uh, animal, animal foods is perhaps there's some type of deeper gut dysbiosis or some type of autoimmune something or like a, like a deeper condition there. And then people say, ah, this worked for a, a very small category of people that were in this yeah. very specific, you know, uh, situation. And then we say, okay, I think this is how everybody should do it. And that's where I'm kind of like, mm, I don't, I don't no, know. Again, our evolutionary history would argue strongly against that, that we've had more societies consume plants and experience terrific health. Will there be some people uh, where a carnivore diet is basically a very potent elimination diet? Um, yes, it may be beneficial. Um, however, uh, even those societies that have been uh, largely vegetarian, pardon me, largely uh, consuming meats such as the Arctic dwellers or some of the folks in the Mongolian deserts, we have many more societies that 
uh, or have plants at least as a, a part of their diet. Hmm. And those societies in the Arctic North, in the Mongolian desert, they're eating very different animal products than what are available uh, to most people today. Uh, most meat here in the United States is factory farmed. Uh, it's not organic. Uh, and so, uh, again, uh, that's uh, a, a potential problem. Uh, and uh, I would also make the observation that uh, and I've seen a number of people who've gone on the paleo diet, found it to be helpful, wanted to go back to reintroducing plants into their diet, uh, and they had tremendous difficulty uh, reintroducing plants. Uh, it took them a very long time to migrate. Uh, they had to be very slow, very gradual. It took them many months to get back to uh, a paleo diet. Uh, and so we don't know yet for whom the uh, carnivore diet might be helpful. Um, I, I've uh, and I've I, I've had been in conversation with the champions of the carnivore diet. Uh, we have offered to help them write up a case report, a case series. Uh, of who've been helped, uh, um, they they've not been interested in, in doing that, uh, and I mean I, I'm I'm very disappointed because I would like to see a case report and a case series so I could know who who has helped, what and what are the side effects, um, I, who should not do a carnivore diet, uh, and to me that if if we're going to ever advocate for that. We need to have case reports, case series, and then you can do a clinical trial, single arm trial, uh, uh, to grow an effect size, then you can start doing randomized trials. Uh, I've had meetings with them uh, trying to explain uh, why I'd like to help support them to do that. Uh, and uh, so far, uh, they've not been interested. I'd like to take a moment and talk about amino acids for just a minute. On episode number 383, I talked about essential amino acids like Keon aminos being one of the best hacks for muscular growth. If you really want to understand just how vital amino acids are for building muscle, think about your body and what it's made of. You probably know it's mostly water. What you probably don't know is that everything else, all of your solid mass is 50% amino acids. That is why Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement to support my health and fitness. I drink aminos every day for energy, muscular development, and recovery. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, or junk undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes amazing with natural flavors. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle and enhance athletic recovery, you gotta get yourself some Keon Aminos. You can now save 20% off on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkeon.com slash align. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash align and you will get yourself a sweet 20% off of monthly deliveries or 10% off one-time purchases. Getkeon.com slash align.
like to take a moment to ask y'all a couple of questions. Would you like to dramatically improve the quality of your sleep and also improve your response to stress? Also, have you or anyone that you know suffered from irritability, anxiousness, insomnia, muscle cramps, or constipation? If you have, then there's a good chance you are a part of the four out of five Americans that are deficient in magnesium. Magnesium is responsible for over 600 biochemical reactions in your body. Magnesium is one of the only supplements that I will actually purchase with my own money. I obviously receive a lot of supplements from companies. Uh, magnesium, I'll just buy it if I don't have it. I really love Mag Breakthrough because it contains all seven different forms of magnesium. And this is great for your brain. It's great for sleep. It's great for pain inflammation, reducing stress, all the things. And they have a Black Friday sale where they're offering you 25% off and 100% money back guarantee if you don't actually feel a change from the product. So if you want to get yourself 25% off, you can jump over to buyoptimizers.com slash align and then use code align10 at checkout for 25% off any order. So that's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash align and then enter code align10 for 25% off on any order. Jump over to buyoptimizers.com slash align and uh, enjoy yourself some magnesium. Would you recommend, back to the previous question, would you recommend any particular style of preparation of some of these foods that may have defense chemicals such as spinach and kale etc or bean beans sure. rice various different so in in general um if someone's in in good health their gut is working what i want them to do is to have uh, a third of their food raw a third cooked and a third fermented if we think that uh someone uh, has not responded adequately uh, uh, to my version of the paleo diet, or or if they have an autoimmune disease involving their joints, then I recommend uh, basically the Wall's elimination diet. Then I take uh, legumes out, um, nightshades out, uh, grains out. If they want to cook, use those, then I'd have them use a uh, pressure cooker. The pressure cooker will reduce the lectins, it won't take it down to zero. So it depends on the level of sensitivity and uh, whether a pressure cooker will denature it enough. I, I wonder, and then I, I guess finishing up the nutritional aspect, then I want to get to other parts um, from, what about protein and, and fat? You mentioned yeah. ghee, you mentioned lard and such, but what? how much, how much is too much there's a, now presently, like the trends are so yeah. cute, I think, to watch. It's like no carbs. You don't need, all you need is protein. You know, that is like, yeah. well, fat's fine. You know, you have a whole stick of butter in the morning with your coffee. That's great. Like, oh, no, that's actually not that good. So, again, it'll depend on your um, your underlying uh, health factors. Are you diabetic? Do you have AP4? Um, uh, and so those are the kinds of things that I'm uh, thinking about. Uh, um do you have known heart disease? Uh, and for for those people, I move things uh, lower down, uh, and I'll want them to have a lower total cholesterol. Uh, do they have more anxiety, depression, uh, um, a history of uh, 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 issues with infections? Then I'm going to want their cholesterol uh, to be a bit higher. Uh, and 
uh, are they trying to be in a ketogenic diet, then we need to have more fat intake. Uh, in general, uh, I, I really like uh, olive oil. Uh, I, I prefer that that be cold. and I encourage people to have two tablespoons uh, of olive oil to four tablespoons of olive oil every day uh, for its health benefits. If you're going to, um, if you're worried about fat, saturated fat, then I would rather you cook, bake, uh, braise, that is uh, simmer uh, in broth uh, or water, and then add your olive oil uh, afterwards. If you're not worried about saturated fat, uh, then uh, um, I would use uh, lard, uh, uh, chicken fat, uh, duck fat, uh, 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 bacon fat uh, to fry things. Who should be worried about saturated fat? Uh, if you have uh, uh, diabetes, if you have a family history of uh, dementia, then I'm thinking that you're more likely to have the APV4. Um, uh, if you have a family history of uh, early heart disease. All right. And then what about movement? What about the, all of the bioelectric conversations, yeah. grounding, being bombarded yeah. by EMF and dirty electricity and living in a high-rise building and you know having your cell phone pressed up against your <clears throat> genitals for 80% of the day and then under your pillow while you go to bed? Like, how does that spill yeah. into our, 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 our relationship with our nervous system? Well, let's talk about uh, movement first. Um, yeah, I think if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Um, uh, so many uh, of the listeners may have heard uh, about broke, uh, have, have broken something. And so they've had their arm or their leg uh, in a cast. And when the cast comes off, you'll see that the muscles have severely atrophied because they weren't being used. It's so important that we exercise. It is so important that we move. Uh, and getting uh, uh, movement going uh, is just a, a vital part of um, healthy aging. Uh, a vital part of uh, managing any kind of autoimmune condition, whether you, whether it's inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, multiple sclerosis, or, or even a skin condition such as psoriasis. Now I'm going to move over to the question about grounding. I, I think thinking about, uh, again, our evolutionary history, we're, we're, we spent millions of years walking barefoot on the ground. Uh, then we got around to making shoes out of hide. Uh, that uh, would still uh, conduct electrons, particularly when wet. Uh, and then we got into synthetic uh, shoe, uh, footwear, so that doesn't uh, conduct uh, elect electrons. Then we moved inside, and then we have uh, fewer and fewer electrons. So this absence of grounding is a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, I, I don't the health consequence of the absence of grounding. I, I don't know. I, um, I, this not, I'm not as familiar with that research, but from an evolutionary standpoint, to me it makes immense sense that there's a lot of benefit from walk from walking on Earth. I, I personally love to go out barefoot, walk in the in the snow, 
or or in grass, uh, dewy grass. And I, I know many of our elders will tell us that walking around barefoot uh, is a uh, uh, in the morning uh, on dewy grass was uh, part of their uh, daily rituals. Hmm. Um, uh, the uh, question about EMF and dirty electricity, again, I'm not as familiar with that research, so I, I'm going to take a pass uh, on that. Um, I, yeah. I, I will uh, uh, certainly make the observation that personally, um, I like not having my phone uh, in my bedroom. Uh, I like having it uh uh, in my uh, bathroom, uh, and I like having the router turned off at night. Um, uh, uh, my perception is that I sleep better with those circumstances. Uh, so, and I certainly encourage my patients to not have their phone in their bedroom, not only for the EMF, just to be sure that you aren't scrolling at night, that you you stop, uh, and that you have time away from your devices. And I encourage my patients to turn their routers off at night. Yeah. And then uh, another fundamental component to cellular, mental, emotional, nervous system health, uh, again, it's all the same thing, is light. And one of the things, I, I believe the highest concentration of, of mitochondria exists within the retina of the eye. Yeah. Like, and and so with, with, I, not, I don't know, maybe that doesn't really matter. Maybe, I mean, it probably matters in some ways, but in relation to this conversation, I'm not sure how much it matters, but exposing our eyes and our skin to light, how does, how does that relate to the health of our nervous system? Think about this through our evolutionary history. Uh, we had 200 million years outside in the sunlight 24-7, uh, and when we became primates and uh, homo sapiens, we're still outside. Being inside all the time, is uh, relatively new. The amount of radiation from the sun that is in the visible light spectrum uh, is a relatively small band. There's the ultraviolet. And uh, part of the ultraviolet light that we can't see is responsible for making vitamin D. So we know that's vital. And then on the red end, the infrared, we know that the infrared uh, is important uh, in helping us make melatonin uh, so we can sleep at night. If our retina doesn't get light, uh, our retina uh, is not as healthy. Uh, and there are certainly scientists that, uh, and I, I agree with them, that if we aren't getting light uh, uh, into our eyes, uh, our circadian rhythm is uh, disrupted. So in uh, the circadian rhythm is... Uh, 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 speaks through my pituitary to my thyroid, uh, to the sex glands, uh, to the adrenals, uh, uh, and uh, to my ability to sleep at night. I have to have light, and I need light in the morning, preferably soon after sunrise, to have that circadian rhythm clock set appropriately. Uh, uh, so I, I think light is vitally important. Uh, I, I want my my patients and my Walls Warrior tribe to get themselves outside so they can have uh, light uh, for the circadian rhythm. Uh, and does that light help our uh, 
cytochrome pathways in our mitochondria work more effectively? Um, yes. Um, do we actually photosynthesize? No. Um, but and how important is that light hitting our skin uh, for our mitochondrial function? I don't know that we, we know, but we absolutely know that it's vital for our mood and it's vital for our ability to sleep and it's vital to have the circadian rhythm that sets through our pituitary, uh, which then uh, influences all of the other endocrine glands uh, in our body. Thank you so much for, uh, I, I always so much enjoy our, our conversations. I know you have to run. Oh my goodness. Like yeah. 10, 10, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. It's, I've, a, a part of what we, we didn't touch on so much in the conversation that I think is a, a, a massive component to everything. So it says science and, and just general logic <clears throat> is relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of those, that the things that, that's because it's not as easy to, to measure and have empirical data. Although there is data, there's like the longest longitudinal study done in Harvard started like 1938 or something, and it's still going on. And uh, from my understanding and, and yeah. suggestion is that the highest, most consistent factor for the health and longevity and reduction of all cause mortality of the people within that study was the, the quality of their relationships. And then mm -hmm. if you look statistically, as culture is seemingly getting a lot like, quote unquote, like less healthy. Um, our relationships, you know, at least statistically speaking, people report yeah. being a lot more consistently lonely, uh, report not knowing who the hell their neighbors are, not feeling known by their neighbors, not having, you know, very many meaningful relationships. They might know people, quote unquote, know people, but actually feeling seen, connected, heard, a part of a tribe. That's medicine. That is huge. You know, it, it, Absolutely. And it's huge. something that doesn't get spoken about as much because you don't like measure the quality of your relationships in a cup and say, hi, two liters of relationships for Absolutely. You know, three weeks. And this is, this is what happened. And, and um, what we saw in my uh, lifestyle clinic is that uh, putting groups together where people could talk to one another about their shared experience helped them be far more successful with uh, changing their diet and self-care routine. Uh, because they could talk to each other about what was working, what was not working, what their uh, uh, troubles were, uh, and what their successes were. Uh, just yeah. so exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, uh, do you have anything else? Oh, yeah. I, I want to be sure that we, yeah. we mention uh, for your tribe that we are recruiting for a new study efficacy of diet on quality of life uh, that's for people with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis, people who have uh, ages 18 to 70, uh, we'll randomize them to a ketogenic diet, a paleo diet, or usual diet. And the, uh, in the usual diet group will get uh, a monthly uh, email from us with some tips uh, and resources to help them reduce their added sugar, processed foods, and eat more vegetables. Uh, and we'll be recruiting uh, probably for another year. Uh, and we have 110 more people to get into our study. So if you have relapsing remitting MS, or if you know someone from uh, um, friends or family, acquaintances that have relapsing remitting MS, uh, have them uh, reach out to us. Uh, links to that, that um, our screening documents are at uh, terrywalls.com. Uh, and you'll see that in the banner across the top. And Aaron, I'll send you the link so that you could uh, include it with your show notes. 
Right. Is there any other place that people should go to uh, look uh, for learn that. more about your work? Obviously, obviously oh, yeah. get the, the book, Wealth Protocol. Is there anything else else would be relevant for folks to go deeper? Yeah. So go to terrywalls.com forward slash diet. Uh, that's a one page handout. Uh, it's great for the refrigerator. Uh, we have a uh, autoimmune intervention master course uh, that we've put thousands of people through that has uh, really helped them transform their lives to understand these concepts uh, in a uh, much uh, deeper uh, detail. Uh, in uh, November, we have a, a, a two-day online uh, virtual seminar on healthy aging. Um, we have uh, those details are at terrywalls.com as well. Great. Uh, I saw a bunch of people pop up in the messages in the Instagram live saying they'd like to do the study. So I'm sure that will fill up very quickly. Oh, good. Um, and yeah. And yeah, thank you so much. I so greatly appreciate your friendship and just your existence, the way that you well, um, show up in the world. And yeah, I just appreciate you. I want to come do an ice bath at your place again. That was so much fun. I know. I'm in I'm in Austin now, so it's even easier. It's yeah. slightly hotter than than LA, you know, which is unexpected, but yes. Um yeah, let me know when you're in Austin, Texas. I've got the sauna and ice plunge all set up. And uh That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once again, appreciate you. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in on the Instagram, on the IG live, and thank you for tuning in the podcast. I will see you all next week. Hope you all enjoyed that. Thank you once again to Keegan Andrew for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to all of y'all for subscribing, for sharing. If you are inclined to share, you can tag myself at Align Podcast. You can tag Dr. Terry Walls at Dr. Terry Walls. Also very exciting. We're officially launching the Align Method online program January 1st of 2023. There is presently a wait list to start that. That's found at alignpodcast.com under the courses tab. It covers how exactly to reestablish full functional range of motion of every joint in your body and then how to connect all of those dots uh, also breaks down quick concise effective ways to regulate your nervous system using your breath and your vision and also how to align your environment so i'm very excited about it i think you guys are going to absolutely love it we already have a couple hundred people on the waiting list which is exciting and so we'll be doing a live um, q a at the end of each week and uh, it's gonna be great. So I'm looking forward to that. Jump over to alignpodcast.com, click on courses, and you'll find the information there. Appreciate y'all, uh, and I'll see you next week.